It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers. As always, my name is Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Indianapolis Community News. And today, we are breaking down the finally official, official news that there will be an NBA season with a start date that is in place, a salary cap that is in place, free agency dates that are in place, a draft date that is in place. It's not all up in the air anymore. Joining me to break down the big news and how it impacts the Pacers, Adam Friedman. Adam, how's it going? Pretty well. Um, finally got the, the set for the season, I guess. And actually, like I know we've been teasing it for, like I don't know, two weeks now, but when, what they're going to do, but it's finally set in stone, which is good. No labor yeah. issues. That's the biggest, the, the big positive thing going <laughs> yes, on. Yes, huge. Uh, for the league to get that settled out because assuming they can get back on some financial track, that means they can keep the rest of the CBA intact. That's too nitty gritty for this show, but that is pretty labor, labor negotiations are tough. So that is uh, pretty important. Well, and, and it's, it's worth mentioning that like the pandemic is probably the most challenging time for any sports league. And like, right. You can see what baseball did where they fought for like what, seven months before they figured out how to get season started. It took them, they started their season later than the NBA started their season in pretty much baseball. Like, is already a social distance sport <laughs> in right. some ways, right? So it was just like, yeah, you could, you could have that kind of craziness where you can't figure that out or you could have, you know, in a somewhat easy transition to play games. And that's what the NBA has done a good job of is keeping that peace. Yeah, so they, they figured out that they probably can't have fans at the beginning. They're going to start officially uh, as we both, I think, kind of talked about uh, in short spurts on shows. December 22nd, you know, I talked about how what teams that will favor and not favor. And I think you broke down, you know, the advantages of that versus later dates in the season. So that's now official December 22nd NBA getting that sweet, sweet Christmas revenue in the door. Plus a little opening night hype right beforehand. Seems like a good move to me and doing so allows them to do 72 games, which will go into May or like early May. And then they'll do a rushed playoffs like they did this year and have that done by about the normal time before the Olympics. That all seems pretty good to me. What do you think? Yeah, and, and I believe maybe it's seven or seventy-two, but they get the cinematic TV revenue as long as they play seventy-two games, right? There's yep. like some the TV revenue. Yeah, yeah, right. The only reason they actually play eighty-one games now is because there's more ticket revenue involved. But I think the TV revenue is only based on that many games because most of the time, the last two weeks of the season don't even matter. Last month, even really, from yeah. like usually, usually from about what we want to say after the All Star break, March one. Once you're in like a competitive seeding race, usually the one seeds are kind of locked in around. Then you're just kind of playing on the edges, and so that's why usually those games don't matter. But so the seventy-two games is kind of I think where the NBA maybe should be in the future anyway so but I'm sure to see how they actually figure that how to play the schedule this year yeah I think that you know they're cutting out a a little under two months uh right so they they lose all the end of October all of November and a lot of December and they gain a like late April and a little bit of early May so they really are losing a little over a month and they're only losing 10 games so there's probably gonna be a few more back-to-backs in there but but that's if the schedule is normal, and I highly doubt there's the same amount of travel and stuff like that because of all the COVID safety stuff. So 
Uh, I have no idea how to, what to make of the schedule at this point in time. I think we'll kind of have to wait till it comes out to talk about that. Yeah, I mean, I just would just to prep people, I prepare for more divisional games and yes. more conference games and less uh, less West Coast games with the Pacers and less uh, probably even less. I mean, I they could play as many. I mean, it's at this point, it's about preserving the TV money and just playing games, right? So I think competitive balance might go out the window and just. I would not be surprised if if the Bucks, Cavs, Bulls, and Pistons were like almost half of their opponents this year. Yeah, I, I'm thinking it may be eight games each, almost even. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. Yeah, that would be almost half. That's perfect, actually. Uh, yeah. So yeah, we'll see. That's all just conjecture and, and piecing together a pandemic with what they put together. But good to good to get all that enough games in to get the TV revenue. They still can do the Olympics if they need it. They'll still get a full enough season in. So that that date makes sense under the guise of money and making money. Do, you know, while the players would like more time off, as LeBron has kind of come out and said, and other players, making money for the league ultimately helps them in the long run. So. That all makes sense. Uh, the other date that is, I mean, this has always been official draft is still going to be November 18th. If you're listening on Thursday, that is six days from now, which is insane. Um, I mean, we've always kind of known that date. You know, it, it was never, it was always kind of on the itinerary, excuse me. But just now that it's official, it just feels so close all of a sudden since it got announced only eight days before that it even happened. Well, and then you have a free agency start the 20th, which is two days after yep. that. Or at least they can start negotiating, sorry, and then the signs can be announced the 22nd, which... Yeah, yeah, they, they can't start negotiating before that, Adam. Don't worry, no one... Well, okay. Uh, will be- <laughs> okay, sure. So that means a week from Sunday at, I guess, 12.01 p.m. That would be twelve. That'd be in the afternoon, right? Not this weird nighttime thing. Correct, a, correct. Like, so Sunday, November 22nd, you and I will probably be talking at somewhere around 12. Sunday at noon, Woj will be tweeting a thousand times. Yes, that is exactly what I expect. Well, and considering the Pacers' last three often, there'll be some movement, then we'll have to talk. Yeah, and, well, and their free agency is kind of boring, right? So assuming there's no trades, I mean, we'll either see they resign just on holiday or they signed a bunch of cheaper guys. And uh, yeah, it sounds – so it's that, that makes sense too, right? If you have the draft and you have – supposedly, th- this part isn't fully in here, but has been reported by many people, training camps are going to start. December 1st or like early December, right? So the draft being the 18th, that means they have 12 days after that to get the draft pick involved and get free agency accomplished. That's really fast. So first of all, our shooting free agents are screwed because if they have to sit around for three days for their team to match, they're just stuck. Unrelated though, the Pacers don't have any of those. Maybe Alize Johnson, but probably not. Um, But that's really fast, right? So I think you'll see a lot of the decisions made quicker while teams still have the space and the money to spend. Uh, so yeah, that'll be a uh, rapid and crazy. <laughs> yeah. See, I don't know if that's better for the players or for the teams, right? Like who's willing. Cause like, right. The usually teams for sure. Well, is it though? They're going to want to get guys in as soon as like know their roster. I guess that's true. Overpay. I got to get them quickly. Right. Cause like there's a chance if you're, you could be holding space, let's say late November and you're screwed because everybody signed already. Or the guy that you kind of want is still like thinking, well, I can miss training camp. What's the matter? Especially if it's your own guy, right? A lot of those internal yeah. guys will be like, why well, do I need to go to training camp right away? I can hold like the NFL is all the time, right? Some of their big name guys will hold out through, you know, most July just to not show up at training camp because they don't want to basically, uh, practice during that time. Cause they don't think that it's worth it for them. So I, it's, I don't know. I think it probably does benefit owners a little bit, but I just it's interesting this, the, the crunch they'll be. Cause usually, Usually it lasts about seven to ten days, anyways. But like, really, now you have to be yeah. done by. I think you have to be done around Thanksgiving time to even have a. You know, uh, you want to know your roster by then at least. I feel like instead of kind Nin- of waiting around yeah. mid July. Ninety-five percent of players have signed within the first ten days normally, right? Like Justin Holiday was a late signing last year, and he was, I think, four, 14 days after. Yeah, somewhere in that range. It yeah. started, so that would even be like the day of training camp. 
Jakar was really late. Um, he wasn't supposed to be in the rotation and be important, though. You know what I mean? Like, that was an exception to the rule. But usually that's how it goes. So we'll see how that shakes out. That's a good point, though. The speed could have some consequences. Fortunately, I think for the general pace of free agency, there's nothing like the last couple of years where, like, Kawhi Leonard takes a few days and the league is waiting, you know, to make their move because, you know, a domino effect will happen when Kawhi chooses or uh, LeBron chooses or whoever the, the stud is of the summer, right? The dominoes fall after. They don't have that this year, so that could speak yeah. up right away. Is the best player maybe out there right now and best, like, maybe you take, like, prospect in some way brandon ingram yeah <laughs> he's probably very, and he's restricted right so he'll yep. probably on november 22nd get a what do we think, a five, extension right yeah. five well maybe not quite i don't know he might get that five depending. for 140 or something yeah. yes and in the the high nine figures between 150 and 200 million dollars yeah so the, the, that'll be quick uh big for, for the pacers quick not really important again they have 11 holdovers maybe 12 if mcconnell stays which again the reporting is that he will but that got a tiny bit less obvious a tiny tiny bit when they released the salary cap numbers as a part of this uh, announcement with the league schedule so I think we need to break that down because not only does it have a big impact on the Pacers and every other team in the league but it could kind of change their summer so let's take a little break and talk about that but first we got to talk about Built Go because Built Go is helping you break through your wall whether it's a mental or physical wall you can break through it with Built Go every day they are protein gels that come in easy to take 1.5 ounce packages and breaking through your wall. They've been helpful for me, right? I just did a 5k. I did it, uh, trained for a month, used these to help me get some energy every day. Uh, and they're really tiny. So you can carry them around with you anywhere you go, but they're, they're the best workout gel on the market. Frankly, that it's like a five hour energy, but there's no crash. It's natural. So it's good for the body. They have three delicious flavors. I love the chocolate mint one. It was really good. You got to try them out. Go to builtgo.com. Use the promo code LOCKED. All one word. You'll get 20% off your next order with that promo code LOCKED for 20% off at builtgo.com. Let's go. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on. Must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. All right. So everything I had heard, we, we debated what the cap might land at leading up to this on the show for a while. Everything I had heard kind of indicated we'd have the salary cap stay the same and the tax go up a little bit. And the salary cap did stay the same, which it makes sense. I mean, they can't screw players by having them have less available money, but they also, you know, it's, it's fine, right? They're kind of banking on getting more revenue next year. You can build the cap on next year's money, whatever. The tax, however, also stayed the same. Uh, and then they changed the tax structure so that, you know, certain teams last year who lost a bunch of games, injury or COVID are paying a little less. It's very complicated. And there's a lot of reasons why they did it. Uh, including Good for the Warriors, basically. 
It does help the Warriors. It helps. A, it really helps every tax team except for like the healthiest ones. But, but the Warriors are one of the few really high tax teams that didn't make the playoffs but are also going to Yeah, be the Warriors can help year. a ton. They also changed the escrow system in the future. A lot yeah. of these changes all yeah. have to do with creating financial stability. But keeping the tax the same really hurts basically every team that was over the cap at the end of last season, right? Because every team went into, including the Pacers, you know, last summer, right, they, they went spending – thinking that the cap this year is going to be $117 million and that the tax is going to be $142 million. And now the cap's $109 million, so they lose $8 million there, which, again, most teams in the league are over the cap this year, no biggie. But the tax is $10 million lower. That's a full mid-level exception of space that these over-the-cap teams are losing. Lo and behold, the Pacers are one of these teams that fit in that group. So the Pacers are now only about $5.7 million shy of the tax, Adam and listeners, which either means – they're going to have to do a cost-cutting move to keep Justin Holiday, or he's going to take less than I thought for them to stay under the tax. And it's going to be very interesting to see how this all shakes out. Yeah, it's worth mentioning that even if the Pacers wanted to spend luxury tax money, the way the mid-level works is they cannot offer more than the difference between where their cap is and that tax level. That's that's why, right? Like the Pacers, they can spend I've, the whole mid-level, but then they're hard-capped at 138 million, and they don't want to do that. And I'm just assuming, given that the Pacers don't think they're a title team or a luxury team, as we've explained on the show many times, they don't want to pay the tax. They just don't want to. Yeah. Well, and well, this year's tax would be different, right? It won't be like that big of a, right? I mean, there's some relief, even for a team. Well, yeah, but you'd rather get money than spend money either way. Yeah. But what I'm saying is even if they like paying the tax year is not the same, because I think it's not the same as previously, because they're not going to be the same kind of tax rates. But anyways, um, but the reason it's kind of important is because holiday, right? The the full mid level will be somewhere between what, nine and 10, probably. Yeah, this it's officially set now. It's about nine point two, right? So to get there, they're gonna have to clear three, four million in space, right? Basically. Uh, yeah, yeah. Assuming he will cost the full mid level, I it would take a they would have to free up about that much space to do it. Now, if he can take less than that, um, you know, if he's a seven to eight million dollar player, suddenly they they can make that happen, right? Um, we didn't we talked about McConnell and. How we thought the only way they would cut him is if the if the cap dropped and the tax dropped and they didn't drop he'll probably still be safe. Indy Star already reported he's gonna be on the roster and they probably only have a few days to decide right with the draft being so close, free agency being so close. I'd imagine he stays, which means the easiest way Sands trade, which we're gonna talk about trades in the last segment here. The easiest way Sands trade to clear some money is just wave and stretch TJ Leaf right there. Yeah. It's two point eight extra million dollars. Uh, all of a sudden, you have $8.5 million of wiggle room from the tax. Which gets you pretty close to the mid-level. Which, yeah, which gets you pretty close to what it might might take to keep Holiday and keep your roster. But, you know, now Herb Simon is paying money to a guy who's not on his team. Teams hate waving and stretching guys for that reason. Well, that's why they're screwed right now, right? Monte Ellis is two point, yeah, what, yeah, $4 Monte million dollars or whatever. really important. And that was right. to sign Bojan, right? So it's the same kind of deal where this time they would be waving and stretching Leaf to sign Holiday. That time they wave and stretch Monte. The only difference is that Monte, the way it was set up, was they had this weird clause I know, where it, like, I, yeah. he had two years on his contract, but actually he only had one le- guaranteed year. One so guaranteed could, year, but two years they, counted for the stretch. Right, so they could stretch it for five years instead of like that yep. would have usually been three years, and that's what created the whole thing. And so that was that – was, a whole nother thing. It actually complicated. Was, it was interesting. Kind of, it was actually smart of them to do that at the time. It actually helped them clear a lot of space than they needed to do, at the moment, at least. Um, yeah. So, but so, but so, so, so the way the stretch works, just so people know, I mean, I think yep. I'm not, is that it's basically you take how many years left, multiply it by two, and, and then add a year, right? Yep. So, so we three years of leave. Go ahead. At three years of leave at one point five, roughly a little less, I think. 
Yeah, he he would make 4.3 this year. So if they waive and use the stretch provision, that 4.3 goes down to a little under 1.5, 1.4. They clear, again, about 2.8 million uh, in doing so. They still have to pay out that money in those three-year installments. And again, teams hate this because say they just trade Leaf to another team and attach a second rounder to him, which we can talk about that in this segment, not the next one. Then another team is paying him. You lose the asset, but you keep the money. Whereas if you stretch him, you keep the asset, but lose the money. So it's kind of what the owner is willing to do. Both, But anyway, you know, teams that hate the stretch because you can't get rid of that money anymore. You can't trade it anyway at that point. So it would help the team. It would give them an, a- an avenue to potentially keep Justin Holiday, uh, have a much better chance at least, especially if they could get him with his non-birds. But you know, it, it would suck to have to, to if you're Herb, to pay a guy when you're already cashed. Yeah, they've so they, they now paying like $3.7 million to money, or at least. And, well, you, you pay the money up front, so it really not you're not paying it each year, I don't think. Um, right. But like in, in dead money, theoretically. Yep. I think their preferred thing, I'm just guessing, I don't know this. It's only a one-year expiring deal, so it's not going to cost you a first to get rid of $4 million of dead money. But I bet their preferred, actually, there might be, I have two ideas. One is they just send him to team with space. Let's just say the Pistons, but anyone, you know, here's TJ Leaf, and here is the a future second round pick from who, whoever the hell they got a bunch from last year, the Heat or the Jazz or whoever. Here, take it. And then if the other team wants the asset, they'll say great, thanks. And then they'll pay Leaf for a year. The Pacers and four point three million of room, by the way, is a ton because that gets them to ten million, which then they can get Justin Holiday and a, a couple minimum guys, which is really important too to get that wiggle room. Or what they could do is they could trade Leaf and like a really crappy second, like this year's second they have coming up, for like a guy who makes the minimum, and then that's a legal trade. And then they could just wave and stretch a minimum guy. All of a sudden, you just cleared over basically $4 million of room, and you're only paying 500000 or whatever to the stretched guy. That's not a bad idea either. It's kind of an asset game, and those are the ways they can make space. And I'm not even sure they'll do that. Herb could say, no, I don't want to pay more dead money, but – that's the, I think that's the easiest way, assuming all the rest of the roster stays intact, to clear the money right away. Yeah. Um, the other option, obviously, is they could cut McConnell, save two and a half there yeah. immediately, and then stretch, do some, stretch like that. you just said. That question is about four if they just stretch Leaf and did that as well. But yeah, um, They could stretch both of those guys and, and easily have enough to keep Holiday in it. Oh, yeah, because they could stretch McConnell half a million dollars a year, right? That was, yeah, that to, to have 333000 of that. Oh, right. They do it three years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I mean – I guess we should probably say we were wrong. last year. I think when they picked up Lee's offense, we we're like, "Oh yeah, it makes sense. They're they're capped out. Doesn't matter. It's not going to affect them." <laughs> yes, we could not predict the pandemic. That yeah, is- you and I last well, we probably did last July. <laughs> now it's like what sixteen months ago at this point that they did that. Um, See, now, I want to talk about this because we can bring this up next year, right? I bet there's a lot of pandemic stretches in the NBA. Like I bet you know because we we're, we're talking about the Pacers, it's locked on Pacers, but every team's in the same situation. You know what I mean? Like the tax didn't go up for anybody. So all these other teams that were banking on 10 extra million of room don't have it. So I've had a lot of team stretch guys. This summer. I'm, I'm really surprised, actually. And I don't know if this will happen next year if they do another renegotiation, sort of. But there wasn't some kind of amnesty provision put in this new CBA. Maybe, maybe. Well, well no, I'm surprised, I'm surprised there wasn't. Pay that guy, too. Yeah, well, so what I think is, like, could they have done some kind of amnesty where you, it's like a $5 million amnesty, right? Where, like, you could, where you could stretch a guy and then you could like, – just because – if the cap, especially because the way every team is set up with the project to keep growing and growing and growing, and then it's going to be the same cap probably this year and next year, maybe even, you know, no, there's year. a guaranteed three to 10% raise next year. That's a part of this agreement. Okay. But if three, let's say it's 3%, that's still not a ton of raise, right? That's, that's no. $3 million. Three it's really helpful though. No, it is helpful, but it's not the same. They're projecting $6 million increase right. each year, if not even more than that. Right. There was like, I think we're looking at 115 for this year, 120 the next year, like 
teams were betting on that. And obviously, can't you shouldn't bet on that as much because obviously that's come to bite teams in the butt in other situations, especially with the cap increase so much that one year. But it, it only at three percent, which I think is probably going to happen this year. Right, it's not going to go up a ton, even if everything goes perfectly. Um, that's not going. It's not like that's like one extra player. But I'm saying I'm surprised that there's some amnesty to just allow a little more space for teams to be able to go sign some guys. But maybe the owners wanted it as protection from themselves, almost in a way. I could see them saying we don't want amnesty. We don't want to have to, you know, be getting it from our fan bases that we should be. We should be amnesty this guy and pay him and pay somebody else. And then we're paying an extra ten million dollars, whatever, somewhere. Yeah, Doug McDermott also is expiring. I want to bring that up. Uh, I don't think that. Let me rephrase that. They'd be stupid to wave and stretch him, but he could have some value in some sort of move like that as well. I'm not saying they should do anything. Well, it depends. Him, it, it depends if they value Holiday over McDermott. They can keep one. That's the right. Makes sense. Right. right? That, I, people have tweeted at me that consideration. And yeah, if if it if you can only keep one and you have to do something, maybe get maybe McDermott's the asset to get off leaf. All of a sudden, you clear the space to keep him, and there you go. Well, you think McDermott and himself can what a high second probably. He, he's like, probably enough to get you off leave by himself, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I'm saying if you, you wouldn't need to get off leave. Just doing you, that, just trading him, that makes yeah, – I get what you're saying. Yeah, that makes more sense than putting leaf and just getting nothing. You could maybe get at least like a I, – I might disagree given the current financial problems. Because they yeah, can I guess, then keep Holiday with Nonbert and use the MLE. That's two players. That's a big deal. Yeah, I mean, could I mean, I, I'm just saying, could you do McDermott? I'm trying to think. I mean, any of the teams you name were, you know, have space or really, really bad, you could get one of their high 30s second-round pick. Maybe. Maybe. Right, maybe. I mean, I don't. I'm not for sure you could, but maybe you could. I mean, or is there some team? I don't see. I don't know how the salaries are match up when there's not really any of the good teams that actually have the space to be able to just take a seven million dollar player um, without giving anything back because that would make a lot of sense too, right? Could you just right. like because any of the any of the contenders would love to have McDermott tomorrow because he's just yep. stri- including stri- the Pacers. Kind of <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's the <laughs> problem too. I think the Pacers. The thing with the Pacers too, they, they they're kind of balancing right now, right? Is between Lamb, Holiday, McDermott, and then you throw in. Um, Aaron Holiday, the other one. So they have like those four kinds of bench guys and Goga. And it, it, there is a way you can make a case they have, they have enough forwards. They don't necessarily need all three, like forward type players between Lamb, Holiday, and McDermott. They don't need all all three of them. They only need like two to actually play a solid rotation. But I think you want to have all of them and just then you can move one if you need to at the trade deadline instead of just losing asset for nothing. Yeah. And it's going to be super interesting. All of a sudden, they have a cap crunch. I mean, <laughs> that, no one really saw it coming. Uh, but here we are, and that's going to make their free agency much more interesting. I am anticipating a cost-cutting move from them of some kind, whether that is the stretch or the salary dump. I just think it makes all the sense, especially, you know, Jay Michael reported for the Star that Justin Holiday has expressed interest about coming back. You make that happen. He was really good for you last year. So, Well, and let's also remember they're paying two coaches this year as well. They are paying two coaches this year. That is Although well. I'm sure the way McMillan's contract was written, he they probably don't have to pay all of it because he got some money from the Hawks, and it's probably the difference between that if they have to pay him. I'm gonna guess because that. Was yeah, I don't know how weird. that works. Usually, that's how those work. I mean, you just how you you have a clause in like like so. Well, for but players, I know how that works. I don't know how it works. For well, coaches. no, but a lot of different coaches. It's a big college thing too. Is that like if you have one year left and you get dumped for five million, go somewhere and get paid three, they pay the difference. The, the yeah. So that's probably it's probably but like I don't think he's making a ton of money as an assistant coach. I'm not you know maybe a million dollars if that. So yeah, we'll see. And you know, like we said with Leaf, there could be some trade possibilities that are now. You know, teams with cap space can hold it hostage even stronger now. So trades are going to be more interesting, even in a salary dump way or in a bigger way. And that's the last thing we want to talk about is how this affects trades. Because again, we've done many, we Turner Oladipo ranking the whole team. We've done a lot of shows about trades and how they can be relevant to the Pacers. So let's take one more break and talk about how that shakes out for the league now. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. 
Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So because before we get to how the cap is really a factor here, because there's no space around the league or less space around the league this year than in a typical offseason, trades are already going to be pretty prevalent just because teams want to shuffle up what they're doing to get better or even worse in some cases or shed salary, whatever. They were, they were already going to be pretty prevalent, especially signing trades compared to normal. Now that money is harder to come by and savings are more important, I think more assets could be moved and trades could even be more likely as teams try to figure out how to set themselves up for the future and the present at the same time, because they might have to do something they didn't, like we just said, the Patriots might have to do something they weren't planning on doing. Other teams are going to be in the same boat. So I think trades could be a plentiful. Yeah. And the thing too, is you have a pretty quick tr- uh, tr- tr- trigger this year because uh, not a lot of time, right? You're kind of in a time. Right. Now, usually you still have to have pretty quick on draft day, but like, it's going to be like, assuming you haven't set up a trade since like August, right? Let's say. You basically, if you decided to start making trade calls today, which would be stupid if you'd done that, but like, <laughs> even if, even if it's been just like, cause you don't really know, right? The Pacers probably have some scenarios, right? Well, we can make like going into the, the offseason, like, we will going to make this trade for this trade, but now let's change because of maybe they need to cut costs. And so then you're trying to pull, you're trying to pull together a different, like, like kind of contingency trades all over the place. Right. That means you got to be kind of quick if something's going to happen. Like I got to pull this move now or I can't. And so. It's going to be interesting to see what GMs can kind of pull it off, which are the smart ones or the dumb ones. You know what a lot of teams do too is is just an ex- like Oladipo is an example because we floated his name a million times. I don't, again, I still don't think he's going to get traded, but this is all for example. Say they've been ranking trade offers they've gotten for a guy all summer, and you know they they have one slightly above another. All of a sudden, you know they look at it and go, oh well, the one we had second place actually saves us money, and the first one didn't. And now that the climate has changed, oh, we need, we need to change that around. You know, now the second one is, is better for our future and present than we thought. It, it could really quickly change how teams value players, how trades go down. And because, again, the, the trades are happening before the draft. We didn't even include that in our dates because there's not really a quote, concrete date set for trades. According to uh, the league, it's, it's going to be a few days before the draft, but I mean, all of a sudden, in like four days from now, stuff could just be flying around as these as these properties all change at the same time. Yeah, it's worth noting the Pacers are pretty good at this, right? They, they, yes. I think they were going to sign Ricky Rubio last summer, and then all of a sudden they made a trade for Malcolm Brogdon in the last minute. Um, well, they talked about with with Oladipo. Well, I guess Paul George trade, but you know, he said right. KP said in his presser, we had two trades that we really liked that we, it was coming down to. It was the one they accepted, Sabonis Oladipo, and. Lo and behold, they were right. I thought they were stupid for that at the time. They were right. We all did. We valued this one a lot higher or higher than the rest, and we had one that we were considering. We didn't take it, right? That's how that's how they operate. That's how teams operate. That's just how. Right. That was the Denver trade. Some of that one. I don't know. Oh yeah, the Kevin Love three teamer or whatever. Was that Kevin Love or Gary Harris? There was some comment. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff moving there. That's right, though. I think you're correct. Uh, They were right. We were wrong. You know that that's why they work in front offices. But that's how that stuff is calculated, and so. Yeah, this is going to be really quick, and especially because the draft is involved, and it's a really complicated draft, too. It's just, I think that you could start to see, you know, teams that are willing to spend all of a sudden got a little bit of an advantage, like teams that are willing to pay the tax because they can acquire salary and trades more easily than than small market teams, and uh, teams that are already in the tax probably aren't going to be as fearful, fearful, and teams that are under the cap and have cap space 
you know, the, the, it's been reported the Knicks, for example, were already ready this offseason to, to just take on other teams' bad contracts and take picks to do so. They're probably going to get a little more to do that now. So the, the trade dynamics just suddenly like flipped on their shoulders. And I, GMs are going to be scrambling. Not scrambling is the wrong word. You know, they, they've been prepared for every scenario for months. But, you know, now that, now that it's go time, I mean, it's going to be crazy. Yeah, it's also worth noting four of the five Pacers starters were pulled off in a trade. Oh yeah! Wow. Right. The only one wasn't a Turner, and I was drafted. But like, right. I mean, they. I mean, so they signed McDermott to six man, signed Lamb, uh, drafted Holiday. So like, most of their bench has been draft picks or some trades, but their starters oh, have all yeah. been trades. I mean, that's what they do. I mean, that's what that's what Pritchard is. I think even was known for doing in, in Portland was he, you know, filled out his starting lineup on the trade market, and that's that's what he was good at. It was finding kind of those weird inefficiency players when it comes to like either making a trade that nobody saw coming when he made Sabonis and Oladipo, two guys that weren't really starting. Well, Oladipo starting level player, but Sabonis definitely wasn't. They made, they made that trade, and now both are great, you know, yeah. borderline all star players depending on the season and, and how healthy they are. Uh, Warren obviously was like, you know, good stats, bad team guy. Now he's good stats, decent team guy, <laughs> and so on. So I mean, that's what he does. That's what Pitcher does. He makes good trades, and that's that's why I'm interested. In this whole offseason, because I think, I think if you, you and I probably didn't, we know this now with two offseasons now, right? We did we didn't do it the, the Paul George trade one, but we did it the that's right when we started, but we we scarcely covered it. Yeah, so the past two, and I think both times, or maybe yeah, I guess only been one time. I guess this is our th- second time, but the last two years, what's happened, I wouldn't have seen coming before the. You know what I mean? There's we nothing predicted Tyreek Evans, I think, and. We got the we got another guy to Kyle Quinn. We got Kyle Quinn two years ago. We got. Um, well, I guess maybe two years ago was more predictable because they basically had to, you know, pick up all the options and that was it. But like them getting Collison and Bojan was not predictable, and same with yeah, the really, bonus clearly. And last year getting Brogdon was not predictable, and either really was Warren. I mean, I think no, we we kind of thought Brogdon was on on the table, but everybody else, yeah, was out of left. Well, I don't know if we thought it was gonna. We thought we called it the, the dream scenario. How about that? Yeah, that's fair. We said, why would the Bucks not? <laughs> Just you know, them, yeah. <laughs> they need the salaries. Worst they can trade the salary for somebody better in the future, which is clearly they're idiots for not doing that um, in hindsight. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess maybe two of the last three we didn't see coming. And I think even the Tyreek one, we we saw that as a good scenario, but we didn't think they were going to pull it off. And we thought, you know, X, A, B, and C have to go right for it to work. And that's what happened. And they pulled that off pretty well, too. Obviously, not a success, but they still made it work. Right. And trades are likely their best way to get better this offseason. So maybe one will happen. I don't know. But you know, I, I, it's hard to see what think about what teams will do because, you know, owners have to be scared of spending. So it's going to be very interesting to see who is willing to do what and if teams just get cold feet and say, especially with like, it'd be very easy. And, you know, they're, the Pacers are a business, right? They, they're trying to satisfy fans, obviously, by putting out the best products. But like, it'd be very easy for them to go, we already have a capable rotation and we know we'll be good if we do nothing, you know, and just do that. Just do nothing and roll out the same roster. Like, other yeah, teams I, might trade more aggressively, but I, I don't know. I think there's, there's two things at play here. The first one is you don't want to come off as cheap because that will definitely hurt the chances of getting Old, old Depot to, re, to re-sign. Well, yeah, and fans have to pay to come at some point. Yeah, I wouldn't worry about that necessarily. I think your whole goal this year is to be good enough to keep old, uh, Vic, basically. That's their whole goal. And they, if they're cheap, that discourages. And now they could say, well, we're going to pay you the five-year max, so we're not actually that cheap. But I think they just come off of it as a bad look for a team that's trying to act like they are competitive. And the, the second one is that. Do they think they're a move away from being, you know, a contending team? Do they think and, – and they – I don't know what they think. It depends how high they think, how they think of this coach and how what he, what he can do. But, like, if they think they're, you know, one crazy trade away from being able to be, you know, in these conference finals competing – 
you know, for a championship, then they might be more willing to make it, even if it's the right. money, because they would do it at that point. Well, while the Blazers are notoriously kind of cheap team, the owner is not like somebody super poor. Now he doesn't a lot of real estate. That's not necessarily the best thing in this market, but um, he's not like poor. I mean, he, he's, you know, worth four or five, $6 billion at this point. And so like, I, I think, and he's getting to age too, where like, if they don't have a shot the next few years, I, you know, he's not, he's not young. Let's put it this way. I think, not, well, well Irv, how I would say it is, He's always willing to pay for players, but he's very rarely willing to do like the big trade a bunch of picks for something. You know what I mean? Like cripple your future kind of move. Yeah. I, I guess my thing is that. I Which think is part of ownership though. You know, the only time he's ever been in the tax was the 04 team. That was the team yep. he, thought he, he thought could win a championship. Uh, and but I think they could. he was right. <laughs> he came pretty close in 13, 14. They weren't quite in the tax, but they were over the cap those years. Well, I mean, between the, they, the problem with those teams, they got lucky because PG was on a rookie deal. So that helped kind of artificially keep their their number low but they went after and got a big free agent in west that time you know they had hibber on a big deal um and stuff like that so they're they're like i said you can say they, they're willing to pay i just don't think they're willing to mortgage you know four first round picks whatever but I, I think there are some big name players that maybe wouldn't take that much because they've got such high contracts that maybe it's worth you can make some kind of move or whatnot out getting a ton of picks but i don't know i mean it's gonna be hard to point anything off yeah it's fascinating and and you know i'm just a guy on the internet and i'm like like how our team is going to do this. I can't imagine a, a GM who actually has to deal with it as his job to figure it out. So we'll have to see, but uh, I think we, well, there's a, a, a decent chance Adam, that we are mentioning uh, TJ leaf options as very often uh, in the next couple of weeks on this show. Yeah. Just before we wrap up, do you think they make a major move outside of, you know, the ones we've been talking about leaf stretch that maybe a trade um, holiday maybe- or somebody. Maybe maybe a Turner trade, but I, I kind of doubt it. I know. I'm thinking. I, I'm kind of thinking bad. now that the, the numbers went down and they have a new coach, they'll just they'll, they'll embrace that new identity and try to keep as much of their stuff as they can. Well, and I wonder where Jeremy Lamb is at in terms of health, because if he's close to playing, I wonder if they don't even bring Holiday back because they think maybe. they can basically – they have a nine-man lineup I, then, right? And continuity is really valuable in a season where the offseason is 12 days. So. Well, right, and, and, and their bench is pretty set. I mean, they can. Right. They, I think they're very comfortable playing a lineup of McConnell, Aaron Holiday, Lamb, McDermott, and Sabonis. They're kind of five men off the bench, and maybe Gogo fits in there, right? That, that, that's yeah. kind of what I was saying, where, like, you know, they could re-sign Holiday, and it makes a lot of sense because of the asset, but, like, at some point... Someone's have, not going to play. Yeah, you can only play, t- you know... 10 guys, maybe you can play 11 if you're really trying to. Maybe that's their goal is to have a deeper team because then they can play Old Depot and Brogdon a lot less. But even if they don't get Holiday back, they still have, they're pretty deep with Aaron Holiday and Sumner, who right. I think both can probably play a decent amount of minutes next year. At least they can't, then that's a whole other issue. But they looked like they were <laughs> making progressions right. last year, right? I mean, I, I think I'd be comfortable, like, in, you know, if Aaron Holiday had to play 30 minutes one night, I'm not going to be like, oh, they're going to get screwed. Right. Now, they might not win, but he, he showed signs where he can play 30 minutes, put up 18 points and eight assists and be a really good player. So I'm, I'm not too concerned about that, at least. Yeah, I share all those sentiments. And they, they are prepared if they, if they don't get Holiday back, right? Or if they don't spend the mid-level. You know, that, that'll look cheap, but, you know, they'll be fine, right? They'll still be, again, like I said, that's part of the pro of the continuity. They'll still be good. So Yeah, well, and the thing we should mention, too, right? If it, so just to think about it, right? If they use the full mid-level, let's say at 9 or 8 range, that puts them at 101 for 22, 20, 22, 20, 21, 22. If the capital goes up to 135, they pay people the max. They're in the in, in the luxury tax already. Yeah, that, that's they'd be close. No, they would be under, but they'd be very close. Very so. close. Yeah, stressful times. They'd have to figure something out. So we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I imagine uh, extensions talks with Oladipo have have you know it's still only 120 percent. So that wouldn't take them over anything crazy next year. But yeah, they'll have to be they'll have to be careful and think about that too. So 
lots to think about, lots to consider, lots of change, but the fun part is coming up and games are really soon. There's a chance that, you know, a month from today, they're playing a preseason game, right? That'll, a month from today is 10 days before the regular season. So that would not surprise me at all, but it's going to happen really fast. I'm excited. Yeah. We'll have a lot of shows about, let's see, free agency, draft, schedule, <laughs> games, Just a games, and then season. <laughs> I'm excited because I like games more than free agency. So I only have to talk about free agency for like two weeks and then I can actually just talk about games. Again. Yeah. But then you forget if they don't make a move, it's going to be the first four months are all about, Oh, what's a little deep value? What's Turner's value? How are they doing? Are we going to trade on uh, other shows can take care of that. We, um, you know, we have to talk we. about it eventually. <laughs> we're going to do a mailbag eventually at some point before the surgeon. I'm sure that'll be every question we get. We will talk about happen. basketball. Evan. Oh, 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 okay. Tony. Sure. Uh, we will be high and mighty. I'm joking. Um, thank you guys so much for listening and, and I'm glad all this information's out there. You can all expect, you know, we'll be, we'll be crushing it five days a week up through the season. Of course we'll take Thanksgiving off, but that's it. But you know, we gotta, we gotta fly through this stuff. There's a lot that's going to happen. So stay tuned for all the nice stuff tomorrow. We will finally, I'm raising my hands in joy, finish off the player season recap series that we've dragged out for far too long with Edmund Sumner. They hired a coach in the middle of this thing and we had to stop. (laughs) They hired a coach. They changed the league schedule. Uh, yes, a lot happened. I know that, but we just, it's take, it's taken us a long time. Um, but yes, we'll, we'll do Sumner. We'll be done with that. And then we can really focus on the next coming season, all the off season content. So stick around for all that. Thank you guys so much for listening and we will see you tomorrow. Hey, prime members, you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on Amazon music. Download the Amazon music app today. 